Ona Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. No, 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 no. We take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. I'm Carrie Poppy, and today we did not show up. We didn't, but we're going to talk to someone who did. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we are talking to Jennings Brown from Gizmodo and the amazing podcast, The Gateway. Hi, Jennings. Welcome, Jennings. Hi, thanks for having me. And uh, congratulations on The Gateway. Thank you. A fantastic series. I know a lot of our listeners have listened to it. Mm -hmm. And for all of you who enjoyed our own investigation into Teal Swan, you'll want to listen to The Gateway if you haven't already. Yeah. So we're going to do some some deep dive here that might make a little more sense if you listen to it first. So uh, yeah, go listen to six episodes. Come back to this one. (laughs) Is it six or is it seven? A six. Okay, phew, got it right. Yeah. yeah, so why don't you tell us, first of all, how you ended up finding Teal Swan? I know it has something to do with the MASH theme song, and it, how <laughs> you decided uh, that she was worth a whole series. Well, I, I think it's more like Teal found me. When I first saw a Teal Swan video, I was, you know, it was right before the election, and I was writing, so I'm, I'm a tech reporter, and I was writing about, like, conspiracy theories, and the alt-right, and Pizzagate, and just kind of exploring strange dark corners of the internet and watching a lot of YouTube videos and YouTube was I'm sure just picking up this weird algorithm of my you know macabre interests <laughs> and um, then I started noticing in, in my recommendation bar it started saying you might like this teal swan video so many uh, people we've talked to they start with YouTube going down the rabbit hole of flat earth or teal swan in this case yeah at the time, I was actually I was thinking of pitching a story about uh, Infowars supplements. Um, ah, there's yes. Like a, there's a whole community of YouTubers who review like Brain Force and uh, Super Male Vitality and all this, and <laughs> right. talk about like how it's improved their sex life or whatever. And so I don't know if that was a part of it. Like that was like a okay Jennings is into um, alternative medications mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also conspiracy theories and also like I'd written about you know, mental health and suicide and stuff. So, you know, it was kind of bringing together, you know, this algorithm of things I might be into. Yeah, so YouTube Uh, had decided you're a weirdo. We get it. Yeah, right, right. And it wasn't until much later when my producer was saying like, okay, go back into your YouTube and see like what you actually were watching right before. Oh, good call. uh, Yeah, and that's when, um, because she's a great producer, Jessica Glazer. I mean, it was excellent because she she helped me understand how to translate this into a podcast format. But um, yeah, that was one of her many great ideas. So I went back and uh, sure enough, the, the, the video I was watching right before was the theme song for MASH, which is, or it was, the, it was like a lyric, you know, it wrote out the lyrics and, and the theme song is Suicide, Suicide is, is Painless. painless. Yeah. yeah. And then I, it was like, you should, you know, maybe if you're into this and you're into, you know, alternative health, you might like a Teal Swan video. Yikes. And then you have yeah. thumbnails with a, a lovely woman and, you know, let's yeah, check this yeah. out. Yeah, it was like, you know, she was gazing through the screen. And I remember when I first started seeing it, I was like, YouTube recommends all kind of weird things, but it just kept popping up. And then, you know, I looked into it and kind of fell down that rabbit hole, as many people do, and saw kind of on forums and and blog posts of of some of her critics and former members writing about her. And then I pitched it to my editor at uh, Gizmodo, and she was very into it. And we thought it would be, initially, we thought it would be a good way to kind of explore how the internet allows new spiritual ideas to form and spread. But... The deeper we got into it, there were all these layers. 
about mental health and, and her past and the, the way that she is kind of using the internet and SEO and, you know, basic just social media outreach to kind of build her brand and um, how much overlap there is with like regular internet influencers and like Gwyneth Paltrow and yoga influencers and all that. Um, so there were just so many threads to, to follow and we decided the best way to kind of explain this and to kind of follow my descent into this strange world was to do it in a, in a podcast form. And at this point, how many hours would you estimate you've spent watching Teal Swan videos? Oh, dear God. Um, I have watched a lot of a lot of Teal Swan videos. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's many hours. Uh, it, it was over the course of a year, um, you know, because we were looking for a lot of audio that we were pulling from it and stuff. So, yeah, it's too many hours to count. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned SEO, and in your reporting, you discovered that she just openly says, yeah, I use SEO to find people who are thinking about ending their lives, and those people kind of need a place to go, and I, I'm giving them a place to go. Do you think there's any sort of, I mean, the, the criticisms of that come to mind almost instantaneously, right? Like, okay, there's no doctor in the room, there's people in a really precarious situation that you're playing with. Do you think that there is any truth or any validity in that? What's the good in that? Uh, one thing that, um, you know, we were, we were very careful in, in how we talked about this handled, uh, the topic of suicide. But one thing I, I came out of it realizing that she does this good is, is encouraging people to talk about their mental and emotional health without shame. You know, there's so much stigma around suicide and, you know, talking about our, our mental health. So I like that she does that. I like that she brings kind of this community together of people who are talking about it and a lot of people who are isolated and alone. And, you know, she encourages them to, to meet on this very active Facebook group or to go out to her, her workshops. And, you know, there, there's like a whole kind of community there. But we ended up kind of focusing more on like, why is it so easy for her to kind of using very crude SEO tactics to, to target people who are suffering? And it's because one of the things I took away from it was that, that there's not clear, robust options for people who are struggling. And, you know, if you Google, I want to kill myself, then you'll find, you know, all the, you know, social media sites and Google and everything are really good about putting the suicide lifeline up front. So you see that, but it's very clinical and there's a lot of stigma. Like people think, oh, if I call that, will they lock me up? And, you know, a lot of misconceptions that I think Teal kind of pushes. So you see that up top and then you might see a Teal Swan video mm. and that's very human. And, you know, she's engaging and she has this this story of how she overcame it. And between those two options, like, honestly, that's more alluring to, to kind of see what she has to say. And it's easier. It's immediate. You know, you, you, you watch those videos instantly. And I wish that there was more in between. I wish mm -hmm. there were more people kind of providing clear paths. So that was that was kind of one of my stronger takeaways about how she handles suicide and as a society, how we how we approach suicide. Mm. Well, do you think then that she's more like other spiritual leaders or is she more like other media influencers? If she wasn't doing this, do you think she'd be, you know, modeling stuff on Instagram or do you think that she'd have her own spiritual practice away from the internet? I I mean, I, yeah, I don't think she got into um, spirituality trying to think about the internet. I think that was more kind of Blake's thinking, like uh, he's more kind of the, the business side, her business partner. And he was the one who really decided to start doing YouTube videos and all that. I don't think she's actually, she's not that like cultural or internet savvy, really. It's it's mm. funny. A lot of her references were like when I was talking to her out in Costa Rica where like she compared herself to like Ricky Martin. And oh, that's Paris kind of Hilton. adorable. 
Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of like she's been in this vacuum what since was, she started her spiritual career. Yeah, what was the comparison there? How is she like? How is she, she like Ricky Martin? Because she's living La Vida Loca. <laughs> yes. Well, she was saying like, oh, I'm I'm thinking how do I how do I you know reach a new audience and books aren't really selling. So she said something about like kind of thinking about how. She was watching a YouTube video of Ricky Martin or something that or something that went viral, but it was definitely it was a reference to something you know like ten years ago, right? So. A bit out of touch. Um, yeah, and since then, I mean, you know, she I, I noticed in your podcast, you know, she kind of has these cultural references that she sort of swims for, and then people help her. Like <laughs> she might catch like a Russell Brand video, or <laughs> you know, maybe has referenced you know, it's comparing something to Kung Fu Panda or whatever. So it is kind of funny seeing like what gets through her her sort of shell because you know she's surrounded by all these these followers and her teal tribe and her her team i don't know how much like media she actually consumes outside of that yeah i feel like if i spent a week with nearly anyone i'd see them watch something on their phone or on tv and you spent a lot of time with her did you ever see her reading a book watching a movie anything like that no i and i don't know how much you know obviously she's not going to be like scrolling through her phone when she's at these retreats and people are all around her. I think I saw, she usually had two women on either side of her. It seemed kind of like a, it was, it was kind of theatrics. Like uh, one day, like one was wearing white and one was wearing black and Teal was in the middle in this very bright Technicolor outfit. Very stage directed. Yeah. I noticed one of them was holding a phone that had, it had a phone case that had her art on it. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't know if that was her art. phone, but you know, they were kind of like, posting on social media and all that. And it was like people were sort of doing those things for her. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I imagine she veges and, you know, gets on Facebook and, you know, she writes and I imagine she does that on a computer. But yeah, I didn't get a sense that she's like us in that way and that she's, you know, way too logged on checking Instagram and, and you know, scrolling through her phone all the time. Right. Uh, so, so maybe she would be leading her own spiritual group offline then instead of being the Instagram influencer. I, I say that because I, I've seen people say, oh, she's more like, you know, Kim Kardashian than Deepak Chopra. I think that she probably would have, she would have gone like the, the Deepak Chopra route, more of like a, a, a traditional spiritual guru. But I think she just is very of the moment. It was kind of perfect timing. And, you know, Blake had the, you know, the idea to, to sort of start using the internet. And I don't know, I think it just kind of lined up for her perfectly. I, I don't know if she would have had as much success 80 years ago. I mean, who knows, In a maybe in a previous carnation when she was uh, Sai Baba or whatever. All right. You know, maybe she was perfectly of that time, and now her current form is perfectly of this time, the social media era. I feel like that's a position she might take. Hmm. I, I feel like, yeah, she just, the message that she has of, like, you know, helping people with their trauma and, and you know, suicidal ideation, I think... That in, in, in being so um, photogenic and, and being able to con- convey her messages in a very sort of short format and, you know, and, and kind of provide those sort of windows into her life through Instagram, you know, her, her daily updates. Um, I think that just really resonates with uh, where we are as a society right now. Hmm. Now, you were mentioning seeing people around her. And I guess my question is, how much FaceTime did you get to spend with her? And am I right in thinking that there's kind of a currency of proximity to Teal within her community? Everyone wants to be close to her. Seems like there's sort of a jealousy of others who do get close to her. Can you talk about that whole dynamic? Absolutely. That That is spot on. From That's what I, what I noticed is that uh, at the retreat, there was definitely kind of 
a sense of jealousy. People would talk about that. Like when they would get, it was their time to talk, they would, you know, air their grievances and say like, I feel like I didn't get enough time with Teal. She was giving so-and-so more attention the whole time. And you kind of got some tension and jealousy there. And there was definitely a difference of like when she would pull me aside and explain what was going on, it felt very much like she was letting me in on a secret. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just like me and her. And it was, it was kind of this intimacy that is kind of, jarring and disarming like she would pull Mm. me aside and I was like oh my god this person that everybody even you know I'm going into it from a totally different perspective but I'm like this is a person that everybody here wants a one-on-one with and she just pulled me aside and like told me all this stuff and I could tell other people were having that kind of experience and I think in the podcast you hear that when she pulls me aside that's when she's telling me sort of the secret sauce of like the SEO and this is how everybody came together like this is people this is how people found me they were googling I want to kill myself or my mom just died what do I do and, uh, you know, they find me and then I'm in their house, houses every day. Like they're watching every day. They already know all this stuff. Hmm. And I was like, I can't believe she's like letting me in on the secret. And you sort of, you can hear there's kind of a hushed tone in that versus I met with her. I had like two official interviews that were maybe three to four hours each. And oh, that wow. was more of like a, you know, it was more of a performance and she was kind of on and, you know, definitely like playing with the camera. And, and it was more of, yeah, like I said, a performance versus just this, this intimate one-on-one. So I think she really knows how to use that. And I can only imagine what it's like after like the guest leave and then her, her dedicated core of people who live at her estate in Costa Rica, like what's going on there with the social dynamics. Yeah, I'm always curious about that. As soon as the, the crowds leave and the cameras turn off, do they start yelling at everybody or, you know, yeah. you never quite well, There know. were times when we would see, like uh, we showed up once to set up and they were in the middle of a very deep meditation. Just the, the people who, who live there, like her kind of volunteers. And apparently it like lasted for hours and they all, the next day they had over breakfast, they talked about what they, you know, what came from that. And I just, it seemed very much to me like, you know, Teal was sort of guiding it and kind of, they were all working out tensions within the community, but I wondered how much like sort of, of a chess master she was with, with, as people are dealing with their traumas and like their jealousies and all that, if, if she's really playing that up. How does but, she orchestrate it? Yeah. Yeah. So I got the sense that is happening all the time, constantly, and it seemed very draining for the people who were a part of it. Yeah, I feel like a good manipulator, and I mean manipulator here almost neutrally, like a good even boss, sort of plants himself or herself in the mind of the followers so they don't have to be there all the time. You just sort of feel their Mm. power even when they're not there. Is that kind of the sense you got from her followers? Yeah, yeah, it seemed like they were, she always kind of had uh, real estate in their head, you know, like she, I asked them like, what it's like when Teal's not here, if she's, when she's traveling, and she said, you know, we still do the exercises, and you know, it's still, they're kind of, they're following through her processes, and checking in with her, and there's people who kind of have a direct path to her, who are there, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like she's always sort of in their head. And then what about policing each other? I, I didn't get a sense of that. I mean, not that it doesn't happen, but, you know, like like you hear with other kind of new religions and stuff where there is kind of a sense of narking or, or telling or policing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't get a close enough experience w- with them when Teal wasn't around to really understand what that's like. But there were kind of references to people getting in trouble and kind of a sense of punishment for somebody who didn't carry their weight when organizing an event hmm. and like somebody who I think Teal told me like there was somebody who was kind of on the cusp of turning to a hater because there was mm. you know this this language of like people a hater Virgo cusp yeah <laughs> uh she said that 
people get jealous because they don't get enough time with her. And, you know, like I said earlier, that was something that I noticed. But people wouldn't um, get enough time with her. And then she said that if that happens, sometimes they can turn to a hater. Mm. And she noticed somebody who was seemingly on the cusp of turning into a hater. So she wasn't really, this person wasn't really around at the retreat center. She was kind of uh, staying somewhere further away from everybody. And so I didn't know if that was like, like a punishment or, you know, mm. like a small retreat or what. But um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. I was just getting a taste of, yeah, some of those kind of dynamics. Hey, everybody. I hate to interrupt Jennings here, but. Yeah, why are you interrupting Jennings? Well, that's a he's, good question. He's so smart. He's so alluculatory. <laughs> he's also in New York. You, you interrupted this interview to tell us he's in New York? Well, maybe people didn't know that. Maybe people were wondering, like, where is he? It doesn't sound like they're in the same room together. That's true. We weren't. But you know what? We should go to New York. I think we should. Yeah. I think that'd be nice. Let's do it. Uh, should we do it? Wait, let uh, me check my calendar here. Ooh, can J- we go on my dad's birthday? Uh Oh, that's in January, right? Mm-hmm. January that, 12th. That's coming up soon. 1942. So we're going to have to go in 1942. Okay. That's going to be difficult, but... Uh-huh. Hmm. I'll settle for 2019, I guess. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, let's go Is there. Is that the easiest for you? Uh, It would be easier, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's consistent the with future. the laws of physics, uh-huh. right? Yeah, okay. You know, that whole unidirectional pointing time. of time, entropy, all that. Blah, 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 blah. crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, why don't we do a live show while we're there? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it on the 12th. Anywhere in particular? I guess the Bell House would be nice. It's a famous comedy venue Oh, in yeah. I've heard great Very things popular. about the Bell House. Let's go there. Yeah, let's go there. You know what? Awesome. Uh, maybe we'll just jump in on the Brooklyn Podcast Festival. Oh, that's, there we go. That's I mean, go- what else do they have going on that night? Come on. That's happening that weekend, and it's a four-day celebration of innovative, engaging, and informative podcasts, the artists who create them, and the community surrounding them. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Okay. Wait, okay. this is all working out. It's let's like do it, it. It's like it was meant to be. I know. Well, hey, if any of you listening happen to be in the New York area yeah. and want to come join us, uh, you Please can find- do. You can find tickets now. Yeah, go to carrypoppy.horse. We made this all happen within just now. seconds. Clack, click, 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 click. Oh, r- no, I just screwed up our uh, <laughs> advertising documents. <laughs> it's really impressive what you can do on computers these days. Anyways, we hope to see you all there, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, be in, we'll be in Brooklyn. It's going to be good. And you know, I love being in Brooklyn, but I also love being in Brooklyn in. You know what I mean? We were so excited about this transition. (laughs) (laughs) One of us had to jump on it, and it was me. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're going to jump on your bed, your bed should have Brooklyn and sheets. There we go. Uh, Good. I'm glad you got one in there. You know. That's what. No. Sure. No. Brooklyn and they make good sheets. And you spend a third of your life in your sheets. Did you you ever think about that? I I have thought about it, and that's a lot of your life. So why not be there in comfort while your body does all of its weird rebuilding and memory storage Mm -hmm. and and fantasizing about the day and Mm -hmm. encoding memories? Yeah, very important for memory, very important for learning, very important for your overall health. So you want to also have it be soft. Absolutely. Who needs bed sores? Not me. That's what I'm saying. So it's about time for a bedding upgrade, and Brooklinen is dedicated to providing luxury sheets at a reasonable price. And they've got half a million happy sleepers and counting. Who's counting? 
Brooklyn is counting. I guess so. Brooklyn and works directly with manufacturers and directly with consumers. No middlemen. Uh, uh, uh. Forget those freaking middlemen. Get out of our beds, middlemen. And that means they can give you five-star hotel quality sheets that are affordable and easy to order. Who's counting those stars? Brooklyn. Brooklyn and Sheets don't just feel amazing. They look great, too. Mm -hmm. You can mix and match over 20-plus colors and patterns. Over 20. Yeah, it could be 21. Might be 21, might be 22, might be 1,000. I don't know, but it's more than 20. (laughs) And Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. That's right. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code Ross and Carrie. I know what you're thinking. Wait, not oh no? No. It's Ross and Carrie at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Oh my goodness, that is confidence. I'm telling you. The best way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code Ross and Carrie at Brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code Ross and Carrie. Spill out the and. Let's go back to Jennings. How is having a conversation with her? I get the sense that she's incredibly smart, obviously. And I feel like in a conversation, she wants to be the one in control. And she's throwing out so many things all at once. And she's got her analogies. And she's got her kind of self-confidence and comparisons of herself to others. Just how is that navigating a direct conversation with Teal Swan? That was very interesting for me. Because my first Skype conversation with her she just jumps into like talking about suicide and the allegations, the haters. And I just felt like I, I just right. like, went for a ride immediately. And I was like, it was almost like we, you know, had many conversations before and she's really good at like making you feel sort of uncomfortably comfortable or just like, you're, you're like, how did I even get here? Like, I don't even know where I'm going. And you're and off balance. First, it's, it's like a judo move or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, she says very jarring things and you don't know how to respond to it. You know, and she talks about like her past trauma or whatever. And, you don't know how to follow up with that or it's sometimes just disorienting when she's talking to you and going all over the place and pulling from metaphysical and, and weird metaphors. And you're like, I don't even know how to follow up because I don't even know where we're going. So my first official sit down interview with her was like that. I was disoriented and a lot of it was kind of frankly useless. Like we, hmm. it was a lot of stuff that she's talked about before. It's kind of her talking points. It's her past experiences and stories and her biography or her mythos or, you know, whatever. And I thought it was sort of, I thought it was good. Cause I was like, well, we talked for four hours. We got a lot of information. And then afterwards my producer was like, that was kind of, you didn't get a lot. Like, <laughs> you know, there's no like storytelling. Like there's no like clarity. It's just, it's, it's, it'd be just as disorienting for the listener. Um, just like, you know, if you're just sitting there at one of her workshops and you know, she's just talking like, you don't even know what you got out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we left the interview. I didn't really know what I got out of it. So then we um, we were like, okay, when we had a, a second opportunity to interview her in Utah, after doing a lot more investigation, a lot more research, we didn't want to blow it again. And so I actually I had a kind of a training session with Shruti Pinamanini at Reply All. A wonderful she, show. Yeah, fantastic show. And she's an amazing producer and reporter. And she's really good at interviewing really difficult people. So did um, you kind of play act where she pretended to be Teal? She just gave me tips and sort of lessons. And then I pulled from that 
uh, a lot of what I learned, learned with her. And then I, I actually I did uh, sit down with my producer and she played Teal. And so I'd ask her something and then she would come back at me with kind of a, a strange Tealism or <laughs> something that didn't didn't answer my question and make sure that I actually properly followed up. It feels like presidential debate preparations. It, it really did. I, you know, I could I could hear like the eye of the tiger playing in the background as I'm like prepping <laughs> for my final interview with Teal. Montage. Uh, yeah, we, we needed to get certain things out of her, you know, to, to really to a feel like there was a finale and B to just, just like to hold her accountable for this stuff. And so one of the things we did was like, this time I held the mic for this interview. Like the, the, the first interview, my producer was, was kind of sitting off to the side recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time I held it so that we could sort of, you could actually like take her voice away. Yep. Like, ah. no, 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 I, I don't Classic under- trick. Yeah, Smart. Like, as somebody who, you know, doesn't understand astral planning, you, you're going to have to, like, s- slow down and explain that. You know, I, I would kind of do that, like, just dumb it down for me. Mm-hmm. And I th- and you could notice a little more tension there. Hmm. One thing, because I was, I was asking her tougher questions, but also just that she didn't have as much control over the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. And, yeah, so I, I definitely, like, the, the second one, I, I had a much better understanding of how, how to have a conversation with Teal. But it, it certainly was not easy that first time. And especially with everybody sort of surrounding us the first time, uh, you know, people were, like, pressing in against the windows, like, looking in. You know, this is their, this is a celebrity to them. This is a, yeah. you know, a spiritual, a spiritual leader. leader or a demigod or whatever. Everybody kind of has different views of her. And, and you know, a journalist has come from New York to, to interview her. And so this is, like, the most exciting Thing that's happened for them in a while and um they were all so that was that was kind of intimidating yeah for me so your producer's name is jessica is that right yes jessica was there anything you asked jessica in those prep sessions that she answered better than teal did in the real interview <laughs> i i don't remember by that time we'd spent so much time with teal it was pretty easy you know and listening to her videos and all that it was pretty easy to kind of throw out those those tealisms but yeah i was i was surprised she'd gotten kind of she'd gotten pretty good um, and also, yeah, uh, our other producer, Emily Pontecarvo, she did a lot more of kind of going through the YouTube videos and, and archival stuff and finding the best things. So both of them were did it a little, and they were very good at capturing those tealisms. Are, uh, should we be in their religion then? Jessica and Emily's? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. favorite tealisms? I, so I really enjoyed that part of, um, of y'all's looking at teal. You, you're going over all these tealisms. I didn't. I mean, this is this is something that I, I you know I love about Oh No is that you're you're able to have fun with it and you're able to kind of bring the joy to some of these darker or weirder topics that you know we weren't able to do with because of our approach. So some of those things that we would kind of be like, okay, this is like new age stuff that doesn't really resonate with us, but and we kind of file it away. And it wasn't until kind of hearing y'all laugh about some of these tealisms that I was like, oh yeah, we should have like had more fun with with some of these phrases. <laughs> but, but you you, you don't haven't have favorite. I don't. I like. I. I don't I see any needle of... points behind you. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, I have like more of like her phrases in my head just from hearing the audio over and over. Would you say there's anything that she has said because she has so much wisdom in what she says? Is there anything that's kind of stuck with you? Like, oh, that is a useful idea. The one thing that I that I really liked about her is is just the encouraging people to talk about their shit, and I. Don't do that enough personally. I don't talk about what's going on with me. Like I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in a newsroom with people who are. <laughs> we are constantly watching unsettling videos and reporting on awful things that are happening all over the world at a seemingly increasing rate, and we don't really talk about it. And it was really nice to be out there in Costa Rica with people who are talking about things, and, and 
you know, they were asking me about my feelings and, you know, I was trying to kind of keep up a wall, I think, for professional reasons, but also just personal reasons. Like I wasn't, initially I wasn't that comfortable around all that. And and so I, I understood the value more of talking and I appreciate the people who were there who had genuine interest in, in helping me in my spiritual or emotional journey or however they viewed it, you know. And so that was, I, I kind of opened up a little through through that experience. But as far as like a lesson, oh, I think, um, you know, they're, they're a classic, like uh, one of our more positive teachings is ask yourself every day, like what would somebody who loves themselves do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, that is kind of a classic tealism, a lesson. I, I don't know. I'm sure it exists in other teachings from other people, but, but yeah, like that, that was one I was like, oh, that's a, that's an objectively happy thing. Yeah. Like, what would I do differently this morning? You know, I might treat myself to, um... I don't know. A nice some tea. wheat. You love wheat for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, right. I love I love wheat. Yeah, that was that was that's one thing that a lot of people bring up when the one time I sort of questioned Teal like about one of her uh, powers, like she was saying how she can see inside people. So <laughs> I asked what I had had for breakfast, and she said I'd had wheat. Like yeah. probably ninety five percent of people mm-hmm, on that day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. staying at a hotel in Salt Lake City, especially mm-hmm, when mm-hmm, you know that's the equivalent of saying, okay, something happened to your your father. I'm sensing something, something in the, in the chest, chest region area. or maybe the head. <laughs> like, yep, that's those are the things that kill people. Yes. When you were a child, something happened to you that had to do with water. <laughs> Though I, I love that you uh, shared that one particular piece of advice because I was re-listening to your series with my my son and he really lit up when he heard that phrase. What would you do if you were someone who really loved themselves? And uh, he, he kind of nodded and smiled at that. Oh, huh. that is good. And he gave yeah. himself a little hug. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, see? See? Teal helps everybody, even even your son. <laughs> and would you say that some people are genuinely helped by Teal? Uh, so that's that's something we kind of we grapple with in our conversations. Like, you know, talking to a lot of these people who are very convinced that Teal has changed their lives for the better. And then I realized, you know, there's a lot of Scientology members who would say that. Uh, mm. and not to compare her to Scientology. I mean, that's a comparison that's been made but you know there are a lot of people in harmful and positive spiritual and therapy groups that are sure that this has helped them and you know i think everybody around them maybe not but i think there are probably people who they were feeling very isolated and you know she encouraged them to she she brought them into a community through their facebook group where they were able to talk about things and connect with people or people who, who came out to to costa rica or a workshop who maybe would not have left their home or you know she could be kind of a window to new forms of therapy or things that work or I don't know. So I certainly talked to a lot of people who swore that she saved them or made their lives better. Yeah. So you mentioned your approach. So there's this debate, I guess is the word, in journalism between objectivity and transparency. So on the on the objectivity side, they say you got to fight your biases, right? And then on the transparency side, it's just be honest about your biases because everybody has them. Where do you think your work falls on that spectrum and where does the gateway fall on that spectrum? That's a good question. Um, you know, we, we were very careful about that, especially dealing with people who... You know, a lot of people open up to me who, with their their trauma and their spiritual journey and, and everything. Uh, so we tried to play it pretty balanced. You know, when you're doing a six-part, 40-plus minute each episode uh, series, it is hard to just keep it just black and white normal, uh, balanced. But uh, we tried to keep it objective. We had a lot of editors and people who were listening to each episode. 
And also, we want it to be balanced just so that there's, it's easier to understand Teal's power and her impact if you talk to people who are explaining the value that they're getting. You know, the first episode, there was a big, you know, we had many different versions that people listened to, and one kind of showed more of, of the controversial stuff. Test audiences were like, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to keep going, because I don't understand why anybody would want to be a part of this. Oh, interesting. Why anybody, you know, like, what's, these people are dummies. And I'm like, no, I've, I, I talked to so many people who, like, are very brilliant and have their wits about them and, and who, you know, are getting a lot of value from this. So then we decided to, to focus more on that and show just the value and, like, how I got sucked in. But then people were like, why do you care so much about this guru? Like, is the twist that you end up falling in love with her or something? Like, they, didn't, <laughs> they had no idea uh, what, what the point was. So we had to kind of find that balance of there is some controversy, but here's the, the story of somebody who, you know, we ended up deciding to go with uh, a young man who was an escape boarder and then um, he had surgery and wasn't able, he kind of lost that community and found, and then that's when he started, he was bedridden for like five months watching a lot of YouTube and mm. that's how we found, right. that's how we found Teal. And then when he was really kind of depressed and that's when he started using her message to um, what would somebody who loves themselves do and and then he started doing things he wanted to do and ended up going to a teal workshop. And anyway, so it was it was good to, I think, show, focus more on that so that people could understand, like, okay, I could see how this would happen to me. And so our back and forth was, I think, more coming from a position of that, of wanting to show both the value and the potential harm. But yeah, I mean, I obviously, I got very sucked into it. I kind of fell down that rabbit hole. I mean, I felt like the videos were sort of targeting me when I was... You know, I was freelancing and kind of at a low point after a breakup. Like, I, it's hard to to pull yourself out. And then also, you know, I, I uh, another sort of difficult thing to navigate was I ended up doing the completion process through mm. one of her trained practitioners. And I fully expected going into it, like, I know too much for this to really get to me. Mm. Like, for this to really, for me to, like, focus on any family experiences or trauma or past trauma and sure enough like through that process i ended up focusing on this memory of me and my cousins and it really kind of haunted me afterwards mm -hmm. i the idea of the, the completion process is you know you think of the last time you were triggered and then you know they they delve into that and find like the first time that you felt that way which is and very so I, very much like auditing in scientology yeah. yeah 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 so you know i said, well, I was just on the bus earlier. I was claustrophobic. And then she really pushed me to, to come up with a time that I felt that way. And what I think is unique about Teal's or the completion process is that they push you to come up with a memory before you're eight. And so I think if I had come up with like something from my teens or 20s, they would have wanted me to go younger. Right. But it, she was, as I was really trying to think about this, I, I kind of fixate on this memory of when my cousins, they were like three years older than me. And we picked on each other and they picked on me more because they were older and they stuffed me in a dirty clothes hamper because, you know, I was really into superheroes and they were like, yeah, well, if you want to be a, if you want to be a superhero, you got to be tough. And, you know, so they put me in a dirty clothes hamper. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and one of the interesting things about that is I, I never thought about that memory before. Mm. And if I didn't know what I knew about Teal, like I would think, oh, maybe that's just like, it's never come up. But now I, I don't know whether or not it's, it's a real memory. Ah. Oh, because asked, it's been so relived and modified. Yeah, well, and so, you know, so many people I spoke to, like, came up with new memories of trauma from their family that there's no records or other recollection of. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked both my cousins about it, and they, they didn't remember it. Sure. But they were like, it sounds like something 
we could have done. Right. Huh. So now I don't know if it's like, well, we kind of had this whole narrative that we like picked on each other and they were older. So they did more to me. And maybe I like piece that together from other, a bunch of different memories. And that's kind of a, from what we know about memory, which is not a lot. Uh, that's <laughs> kind of one of the ideas of how new memories or like, you know, uh, repressed memories actually are. It's like when you piece together things that kind of make a, a narrative, a story that, that works. And especially if you're trying to figure out like how this connects to current trauma. But then it became a big thing, and I ended up like talking to my cousins about it, trying to figure out if it was real or not, and and then I really focused on it more and more, and so now it's become a big thing. And mm. I actually had a, a bunch of people, like therapists, reaching out to me, asking if I was okay, um, and you know, and like encouraging me to get proper therapy or whatever. Uh, but you know, I think what what through talking with them, I realized like that kind of that can open a, a wound, and you maybe don't heal it properly. And I, I'm really glad that it was kind of my cousins and we kind of could joke about it and it wasn't something that, you know, with my parents that I would have had to, you know, talk talk about more. But but anyway, that that was one example of like, well, it's really hard to just be an objective journalist when it really does right. affect you like that. Totally. And through talking with some of these people, you know, I, I wanted to do their story justice. And, you know, I, I didn't want people to think, oh, well, this is, you know, Teal is a a dangerous spiritual leader and all these people are just like doughy eyed zombies. Cause mm. I think there's a lot of wonderful people I met and I think they're doing, they're really trying to, to find help and find answers. And I didn't want to, you know, bring them any shame. Yeah. Whoa. Hang on there. Jennings. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm hanging on too. What'd you get? I just wanted, I wanted to stop him. He's such a, he's an interesting man. He is a smart man. He's all, a funny man. It's all true. I think it is all I, true. I'm not, yeah, I'm not just sure it's all true. It is true. It is actually true. Those are correct statements. But you know, I just feel like if he could just give us one good quip, that would really be satisfying. Yeah. You know, some sort of aphorism or oleculatory <laughs> something, you know, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. something to really get all of our juices flowing. But if he can't provide it, I guess a, a pleasant toothbrush company could. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I can give you both. I've got a quip for you mm. that happens to be a toothbrush company. What? That's right. There's a buzzy gift on everybody's list this year, and it's something that they'll use twice a day. It was featured oh. on Oprah's O list, and it's perfect for everyone with a mouth. Wow, that's great. Oprah's got a mouth, so no wonder she likes it. Yeah, most, most people I know have mouths. Same. This it gift is Quip. It's an electric toothbrush designed to make brushing even better. And it's a great toothbrush. I enjoy yes. using it. And uh, my wife sitting over here, she can see us. My wife. She can attest to the fact that I have never enjoyed an electric toothbrush before. Isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> see? Confirmed. And on the other end of the spectrum, I really love an electric toothbrush. Mm -hmm. I already had one. I got rid of it when I got my quip. Oh, my goodness. I was like, this is a step up. Would you say your other one was bulkier? Yeah, that was the main problem. Yeah, when I get a toothbrush, I don't want it to, I don't know, be this fat thing I have to hold on to and put yeah. in a cradle. And this thing is svelte and sleek it's and clearly made by a, a designer. Exactly. And you pull a little sticker off the back and you can stick it wherever you want. I have it on my mirror. It's barely, it's barely there. Yeah, it holds on really well, but you can like snap it off when you need to, mm -hmm. take it to the hotel. and If that's what you want to do, that's what you can do. Anyway, long story short, I enjoy the toothbrush's stick-to-itiveness. Exactly. It has sensitive sonic vibrations. They're gentle on one's sensitive gums, like mine own. Yeah, maybe electric, but you won't get electrocutionated. Exactly. You might get electric. What's the word of it? Electrocutory. Electrocutory vibrations. <laughs> But 
It also has a built-in timer, and so it has these these pulses that remind you when it's time to switch sides. So if you spend 30 seconds on one quadrant, it'll mm-hmm. be like, hey, you're done. Don't keep obsessing about your lower left quadrant. You got to yeah. move on. But you can get creative. You can say, you know what? I'm going to devote 30 seconds just to the lower half of my mm-hmm. mouth and then mix it up. That. Yep. I do that. Because you know what? I'll be honest. Quadrants kind of freak me out. I like a half. <laughs> All right. It's true because I feel then like I'm not spending any time on the very middle. Sure. And then you have to wonder where is the middle? Yeah. It's just too much. Is this a bit of an OCD thing? I can (laughs) maybe. I don't know. I can definitely tell where my lower jaw, my upper jaw meet. That is obvious. Those are clearly distinct. And you know, I know what you're all thinking. What if I don't have two minutes? What if I'm in a real hurry? I've got a minute to brush my teeth. You can press the little button again, it'll stop. That's true. It's true. This is also just like a good way to live your life. If you're, you know, if you're done with something, just stop. Just like, you know what? One of my favorite pieces of advice to give people, because apparently a lot of people don't realize this, on those electric hand towel dispensers, if mm-hmm. you just rip the paper towel, it'll it stop stops. dispensing. Yeah. I know most people know this, but some don't. Some people don't know. Now you know. Stop the paper towel. Just grab what you need. Similarly, let's say you're at a drugstore. I'm at a drugstore. And you get one of those like... Christmas characters where you press a button and it sings a song and then you realize oh my god the song's two minutes and I'm so embarrassed everyone's looking at me almost all of them will turn off now if you push the button again. See I didn't know that. People will like turn them on and then walk away embarrassed and I'm like you can turn that shit off sir. (laughs) You can tell Billy the big mouth bass where to shove it. Exactly. Okay this is good information. But yet still most elevators you pushed the wrong floor and you can't un Push it. Yeah, what is that? Come on. It's 2018. <laughs> I don't want to get off on the wrong floor anymore. Some elevators do it, though. Anyway, Quip looks like a big ticket tech gift, with a, but it's got a stocking stuffer price. It's just 25 buckaroonies. That's so, where it starts. Mm-hmm. So go to getquip.com slash ohno, O-H-N-O, and get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash. Oh, no! Now I'm going to have to lower the sound so low so it's barely audible and people are still going to complain. I fell off my motorcycle because Carrie yelled, <laughs> oh, no, at me. You know what? Don't listen to a podcast on your motorcycle. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Life lessons. <laughs> anyway, back to Jennings Brown. Well, one thing I seem to detect is that seeking teal out, the one thing it begets is more need for teal. Is that true or is it possible for someone to kind of come in, get what they need, feel better and go back out into the world? Or are you always going to be in some way sort of dependent upon teal swan? Uh, Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot, that people do seem to be, at least from my perspective, we're kind of forming a dependency. It's so much of a thing that, like, I remember the fir- the last day of the retreat, she said that, okay, we're having kind of an issue here where everybody here is seeing me as a mother figure. So they had been doing these kind of channeling exercises where people would, they'd get in a group and, like, people would channel the inner turmoil or family members of the person they were focusing on. And through that, they were, would kind of help that person as they're seeing all their inner shit worked out. So after Teal had had this realization that everybody was like viewing her as a mother and were becoming dependent on her, they did that with her. 
So people were channeling different parts of Teal, and she was kind of the center of this giant group exercise. Huh. Hmm. So it's all about the mommy and daddy issues, right? Right. Oh yeah, and that that was another takeaway that everything. I mean, they they were selling T-shirts like "What's your mommy issue? What's your daddy issue?" It's almost kind of this trope that they constantly reference. But but yeah, in this case, it was Teal was they were having mommy issues with Teal, and she was acknowledging that people become dependent on her, and I don't know where that would. End. I mean, I'm sure there's people who find other things that resonate with them better, or there are people who, you know, obviously there are people who leave the Teal tribe and, as she would say, become haters. <laughs> or get kicked out. Or get kicked out. It's like uh, a couple breaking up and not being able to part amicably, it seems like. Anyone who parts with Teal does so under bad circumstances. Yeah. Have you heard from anybody afterward who said listening to your show maybe kind of caused them to leave the the valence of Teal Swan? I have not heard from anybody like that. I heard from people who had left and they listened to it with their family and it helped their family understand why they were struggling so much. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, why they were feeling, why they were having suicidal thoughts and maybe getting worse and, you know, why they were you know, the, the family didn't understand why they're getting so wrapped up in teal. And through listening to this, they, they got it. You know, they, they mm. see the, the appeal. Mm. And, I, and I definitely heard from people who, who think that I just didn't get it. I, I know on her Facebook group, there were some posts of people who were very, that really didn't like the podcast or just like thought it was being done by haters. Mm -hmm. I don't know if those were real people or like sock puppet accounts mm. from her Teal tribe, like her inner circle, who were trying to kind of guide the narrative. Right. Uh, she seemed like she was actively trying not to draw attention to it. Hmm. She one day like posted a picture of me interviewing her in Costa Rica from the back and from the back of my head, and you can't see who I am. She was like, "Oh, journalists are interviewing Teal. Uh, that's that's what they post on her account and kind of trying to be like, hey, you know, Teal's a big deal. She's getting all this attention." Uh, and then people were posting on her Instagram, like, I love the gateway. It's a great podcast, you know? And then, so then they, they took down the Instagram. Oh, wow. Uh, Interesting. It just seemed like they didn't want to bring attention to it. And I think because so much of it is in her own words and we were, I think I was, I was trying to play it as, as neutral as, as possible. And a lot of the stuff that people are really focusing on, the damning stuff about her is stuff that she says herself. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. So I think because of that, that she couldn't just actively say that Jennings is a hater who is going out of his way to flip my words or whatever. I mean, she did, and she did say some of that. She finally, enough people had to act, like had asked about it on like she was doing a Facebook live stream and, and somebody asked her. And so she said that we manipulated the situation to make her look a certain way. Oh. And then she made a blog post about it loosely referencing that they were going to take action or something. Oh, really? Um, but, and I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know if that's. I don't know what she means by that. Um, yeah, I was surprised. There weren't many people who were um, really attacking me through social media or emails or anything. That's that's good. Were you yeah. worried at all about whether people would doubt your credibility if you showed too much vulnerability in this emotional space? Because I know sometimes that's my worry is, you know, we'll be going through these processes where they make me dig into my past and I'm talking about being bullied as a kid and how I cried or whatever. And I think, oh, gosh, I also need you to trust me as a narrator and a journalist. And that's a really hard balance. Did you feel that? Absolutely. That was a big concern of mine. You know, I, I, it was hard for me to get much sleep the day, the nights before we released the next episode. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> just just because, I mean, it's like, I'm not used to that. I'm used Putting to, yourself like, out there. Yeah, I'm used to writing a story and I try to pull myself 
out of it as much as possible. I'm not really like a, not typically like a gonzo journalist who puts myself in the story. So yeah, that was really uh, nerve wracking. But fortunately, I have a lot of great um, editors, like my editor-in-chief at uh, Gizmodo, Kelly Bourdais. She was a lot of fantastic insight. And then my producers, and, and we also ended up bringing in uh, Pineapple Media to edit it from the podcast perspective. So I had a lot of people really helping guide this. And because I was sort of getting too deep in the rabbit hole, it was good to have all those other voices seeing what was too much mm-hmm. and what might like be too much of my story and mm-hmm. you know and, and how much of teal story we wanted to say and like I, there was just there, obviously i mean it's, it was a really messy sensitive investigation and so i'm very thankful for all the people who helped make it possible and and, and allowed me to not put too much of myself out there and uh, to keep it as, as balanced as possible and the podcast is very well organized what were some of those last minute excisions pieces that you wanted to keep in but maybe had to let go oh man that there was there was a lot of that, and that's why we needed you know Jessica Blazer, the producer. She also like we were in this together for so long. Like she also got a little, I think, kind of fell into the rabbit hole, and that's why it was great to have Pineapple Street Media, who has done a lot of these sort of things. You know, they did they did Missing Richard Simmons, and they did Heaven's Gate, which has some uh, similar themes, and they were really good at being like, look, I know you're kind of married to this character like you really want this person this voice in but you're, you're, you're too in the weeds and people don't care about that or they're gonna they were, we're introducing too many characters and mm-hmm. like there was one uh shaman that i really connected with he was in costa rica helping teal's then husband uh-huh. uh LA. uh they were building the sweat lodge together and uh he had some amazing insight because you know he, he was also selling some of his paintings uh they were starscapes mm-hmm. so they were visions that he had had of the cosmos and he told me that he had just met Teal that week because they brought him in to help with the sweat lodge. Oh, and right. he said that the first time he was talking with Teal, he had all his paintings out. And Teal was recognizing the cer- certain planets from her past lives ah. from his paintings. And so they kind of connected over that because Whoa. he had, had visions of planets that she had lived on or been to. I'm sure and it's so all true. And so he just kind of had... <laughs> yeah, right. So he had uh, some in- a really interesting perspective as somebody who was very much in that world who was just getting into it and saying like... It was almost kind of like, yeah, she's, you know... a. Uh, young up-and-comer in this world but also i can tell that she's lived many lives and all this and but yeah that was just somebody that we couldn't really find a place for and also i spent a lot of time with her mentor and the man that she accuses of uh having abused her and and that was something we you know really grapple with how much of that has a place in this Mm -hmm. story Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of interesting things that we sort of uncovered that maybe didn't have a, a place here or just would have been too much you know we didn't go too much into her, her like past lives and the kind of alien stuff and all that because frankly I mean it's kind of typical with a lot of new age belief and we thought by focusing too much on that it might make us look like we were kind of trying to make her look really strange and woo woo and people might judge that you know we were focusing on the wrong things or whatever. Hmm. Hmm. One thing that really fascinates me is just her level of confidence. It just really stands out how self-confident she is and how she exudes that. Uh, where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I think she's just kind of, it seems like she's always kind of had that ego or narcissism or confidence, however you want to <laughs> look at it. I noticed you said that you were looking at her old videos and you noticed kind of a difference. She, she wasn't as confident in those early videos. Right. And, I, and I noticed that her first video, it's from a synchronization workshop and she's kind of, I thought she was sort of pacing the stage nervously and kind of playing with the chord and we asked her about that video and she said, no, that was, I'm the most confident with a group of people listening to me and cameras. And, and I was just that confident then. But so I think, you know, she says she's always, she's always had it. I don't know. It was surprising. Like no matter what, she just 
doubles down. She just is so confident with what she's doing um, and is not afraid to say the things that people aren't don't want to hear. And I mean, frankly, it was very, it was very Trumpian. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, blows me and, away. Like there were times when, um, you know, she had a, a business manager and kind of a media manager there. And uh, her husband at the time is also sort of on the business side or he was then. I think they were more nervous about, we don't want her to, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Hmm. You know, she would say something, she, she would be ready to go there and they would be like, oh, we don't, we don't need to talk about the thing or that, that, that might be a little too much, you know? So hmm. it kind of gave me the, the impression of like hearing like Trump's handlers. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're Real like, oh, I don't know if we should tweet this, but so that was, that was interesting. It's, it's, I got really strong Trumpian vibes and that, that kind of falls in with like, maybe she is just kind of like. Her personality and her methods of teaching just really resonate with where we are right now as a society in the state of mass communications. Uh huh. Did you hear her ever talk about politics? Do you have any sense of what her politics are? Very briefly, she referenced just what's happening in Washington is awful, but in kind of the same way. I feel like she would have said it four years ago, eight years <laughs> mm-hmm. ago, whatever. Right. It's just like a general, like it's a mess and we need a cataclysmic shift that only I can bring on through mass incarceration or like fixing all these things. Like I didn't get a Wait, sense mass of, incarceration? Like, she wants to incarcerate everybody? Oh, no, 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 sorry. Um, she nope, I'm quoting you. That's it. <laughs> Jennings Brown says. Uh, she has a, I meant to say she has a, a revolutionary views about prison reform. Ah. You know, she she has an education and mental health. You know, she just she has really radical views about how she can fix everything. Got it. And that all kind of comes down to what's going on in DC, sort of. Mm, okay. Um but yeah, I didn't I didn't get a sense of how she would vote. <laughs> we we noticed yeah. she expertly avoided that in the the workshop that we went to. Well, one connection I see with Trump is that it feels like for both of them, the the end goal is for people to talk about Teal Swan or Trump. Mm-hmm. At least that's the impression I get from her. You know, even if you're criticizing her, at least as long as we're talking about Teal, we're having a a good conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that she. You know, since she brings up the controversy, she uh, you you pointed this out in in one or both episodes that you know it's like she would reference things that the haters are saying or they're trying to bring her down, and you're like, we 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 weren't even nobody here is worried about that, mm. you know, like nobody mm-hmm. nobody's thinking. But you know, she it's this this idea of like us versus them, and and you know we're on the right side, and they just don't get it. But yeah, I think uh, it definitely all kind of all roads sort of lead to her. Uh, and that's like, like I said, that's definitely something that I noticed y- y'all kept coming back to. Uh, and, and that was really interesting for me to listen to it. Cause I, I've never like, you know, I didn't go to one of her synchronization workshops and I, I didn't sort of experience it from what it's like to be in a conference room, you know, with all these people who have paid this money to go to go with her. Like it, it was, it was very different from what I was seeing in Costa Rica, which it was a lot of, well, there were, there were a lot of similarities, but people were very much in this world and it was more like kind of a summer camp vibe hmm. and there was more of like a community forming but but seeing that hearing hearing it through your your perspective and and because you can kind of pull from all these references to other new age movements and cults that you've investigated and you know uh, your readings on psychology it was really fascinating to, for me to hear kind of just the breakdown of every single thing she did <laughs> uh, one thing i noticed is it all sort of goes back to her and people were very um confused i, I like how you sort of you really picked up on kind of the this consistent awkwardness of it all. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that was something that I noticed and we didn't really touch on, but it's just like, no one really knows what's going on. And they laugh awkwardly because they're all sort of zeroing in on like, what, what's her facial expressions? Like, how am I supposed to feel about this moment? Yep. And there's what a lot of What does she like, want from me? Yeah. 
so that that was really actually fascinating and enlightening for me. Just uh, just see it through your your perspective. That's great to hear. Yeah, thank because you. Because the gateway was so in depth, we thought, well, what can we add to the teal swan discussion? No, it was very it was very illuminating for me. That's um, great. And it was great to kind of I've had a, a little time away from it. And it was kind of great to kind of relive that and through you know I, I, as somebody who like listens to, to your show, it was great to it was very surreal to hear you going through this story that I, this kind of a similar road that I had gone down and, and hear your perspective. So when so, we uh, said we show up so you don't have to, where you're like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I already had to, but it was great to show up again through you. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been listening to our show? I don't know. I mean, it, it I, I've always been interested in, in kind of weird pseudoscience stuff and in, in new religions and. Right. Uh, you're a weirdo. Right. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're in good company. Uh, I guess like a, a year ago was when I, Cool. So yeah, it, it was something that I, it, I think before then I I would pop in when when there were topics that resonated with me. But yeah, it was like a year ago that I, I became a, I'd say a fan. Ah, uh. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now this is a bit late in the conversation to be asking this, but are you sick of talking about Teal Swan? Uh, I w- I needed that break afterwards. <laughs> okay. You know, I you know, after spending about a year from it, it was good to have it out in the world and to take a break. But it's it's a fascinating topic, and it, it's great to talk with other people as they've as they've listened to podcasts and kind of digested it differently and, and kind of get their perspective but no it's i mean she's a endlessly fascinating person so I, I, i'm not for I'm not sure yet yeah. so was there any criticism you received that you thought like oh that's fair i wish i had done that differently nothing really you know there was we got some emails from people who were upset about the memory stuff mm-hmm. the experts we spoke to on memory that you know there are people who feel like they've uncovered mm-hmm. repressed memories and those therapies have really helped them and they were very upset i mean they're just just a couple angry emails that really made us worried that we had done something wrong so we you know went back and kind of we made sure that we didn't put any we weren't putting anything out that we didn't stand by and but we did like it, it all we're we're really proud of what we put out and every email from like mental health practitioners has been positive or just like people who were in the mental health community who realized like didn't realize just how bad kind of the state of people who are who are uh, suffering from suicidal thoughts like how how bad that is and how like there aren't clear robust options for people who are suffering and they realize mm-hmm. like, oh re- i didn't realize that it is that bad and that we don't that we put so few resources into researching this and you know that it is like the the tent leading cause and mm. i think i was surprised at how many experts were gaining things from the podcast so yeah how it wonderful. was wonderful uh, yeah, there's nothing that I, I think if I, if we had gone back, I mean, I could have, I could have honestly spent another year kind of researching that world and, you know, going deeper into it. And I have a feeling uh, I might be uh, having opportunities to go more down that road of, of researching Teal and, mm. and, and that stuff. But uh, for now, I, I, I stand by the podcast and there's nothing that I think we really uh, drastically change. <clears throat> Carrie. Yes, Ross, is I'm it? I'm going to step aside here where oh, yeah. Jennings can't hear Jennings us right now. This. Just... I, I have a secret message. What a weirdo. That, like, no, what's wrong with him? Well, it's not even that. What's it's, his freaking deal? I, I just have something that's kind of intimate that, oh. I, I don't know, I didn't want to embarrass him. This isn't him. a mole again, is it? <laughs> no, this time it's a Jumbotron. Oh, a Jumbotron. So I thought this would just be between you and me. And and our listeners. And we okay, just keep Jennings out of this. But also Mason and Haru. Exactly. This is a Jumbotron for Mason from Haru. And Haru says, Happy birthday, my love. If I could spend eternity by your side, it still wouldn't be enough time to tell you just how madly in love with you I am. Oh, so sweet. It goes on to say, you're the best and I'm thrilled to spend another year together. That is so sweet. Aww. Assuming they are together and Haru's not just a creep leaving hmm. this message for her dentist. 
wow, you just really uh, made that uncomfortable. But the dentist listens to Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yeah, they're, you know. And maybe even owns a quick toothbrush. Exactly. So I say, good luck to them both. Nine out of ten, dentists approve. Maybe not this one. Mm. But you know what? I'm guessing this is all consensual and wonderful. Probably. So, so no, c- it's an incredibly sweet message. Congratulations, you two. they know each other. <laughs> Congratulations. And you know what? We have another one. Another Jumbotron. Do we now? Can you believe this? This one is from Alyssa, and it's from Alex. And Alex says, this podcast and network are just one more example of the amazing things you have added to my life. I am forever grateful you are my wife. I love you, Alex. That's so sweet. I love Alex, too. I'm in love with Alex. Ooh, this just got complicated. Ah, well. But if you want to create a Jumbotron of your own, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. At MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron. Jumbotron. And then we will proudly share your love, your congratulations, your creepy crush on your dentist. Or we'll steal your partner. It could happen. You never know. Back to the show. Well, what do you see as the future of the Teal community? I, I feel like... Somehow this is all culminating to something big. At some point, we're going to hear from them in the future. What do you think is kind of the end game of the community that she's built? That is a good question. If you talk to some of her stronger critics, they think that she's trying to buy her own island and create like a Teolandia or something, (laughs) you know. Do uh, it. You know, some of the more uh, stronger critics, you know, have mentioned to her that she's reference Jim Jones and you know they obviously go there I I don't think that I I certainly wouldn't wouldn't say that she would want anything like that or is capable or plans to but uh I don't know I mean if you ask her she wants to be famous she said she in my first call she said that she wants to be as big as Oprah or (laughs) Ellen you know I I think she wants to be a new age celebrity Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she just kind of wants to keep building that community. I don't think she's so interested in like turning Philia into uh, like a commune or anything. Like, mm-hmm. but I think that's kind of one step. But I think really it's it's fame and celebrity that she wants. Yeah, I I feel like this is a story I've heard a lot of someone who comes to LA wants to be a model or a stand up or whatever it is. And doesn't quite get the success they wanted there. And so finds this other route to perform. And it might be in spirituality. They might become a pastor. uh, They might become a motivational speaker. But it just seems like it's sort of option B performance route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I don't, you know, she says that she kind of fell into it. Like she was, when she was skiing, she realized like a lot of people would come to her for help and, and she when would she always was know what to skiing? say. When she was skiing? Yeah, she was like a semi-professional skier. <laughs> I totally forgot yeah. that. Okay, cool. Yeah. She did telemark skiing, uh, had aspirations for the Olympics. Great. Yeah, you know, she's packed a lot of lives into this life. She's done a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, she didn't but, need to. She has so many past lives and future lives to figure it out. Yeah. Overachiever. So, <laughs> I know, like I would have, I'm, I'm like almost exactly the same age as her and I'm like looking at my life. Well, we all, we all feel like underachievers now. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, kudos to her for that. It's a, you know, she's a impressive, ambitious entrepreneur who um, has, has accomplished a lot for better for sure. or worse. So yeah. I, I admire that. But yeah, you know, so when she was, uh, I think after trying to be a model and actress, you know, she got into trying to be a professional skier and she said, she said that's when people started coming to her 
with her issues or people would be recovering from a bender or whatever and just crash on her couch and she knew what new age healing methods to help them or ah, what to say okay. and, and she said it just sort of like that's when it really felt right and I, and I believe that I think that's mm-hmm. when she realizes that's sort of her gift of telling people what they think will help them or whatever and that's when she sort of started crafting her her own brand of spirituality and soon after that she kind of rebranded as the spiritual catalyst and came out with the book and had the youtube series and yeah i think yeah, i think that was a that was a genuine thing that she she just that just kind of came to her and so i don't i don't necessarily think that uh it was like well acting didn't work skiing didn't work let's try spiritual leader mhm oh yeah I, you think it's usually far less conscious than that I've just yeah. I've seen that arc a number of times. Sure, yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting because you know I it's it's interesting to hear your perspective of being in LA and seeing a lot of this stuff, or being in the in, that, you know, in the California area where there are a lot of spirituality and new age ideas and cults and fringe movements. So I I try to be aware of that. Like coming from New York, how much of this stuff is just weird to me that like oh, everybody right. in California is like this is old hat, <laughs> you know. Hmm. That's interesting. So that was that has been I've noticed like a lot of like the iTunes reviews of of people who didn't enjoy it are more like he just didn't get that these are really common things and he's mm-hmm. trying to or he's trying to kind of warp her her beliefs into something darker hmm. um, oh, interesting okay and so that, that was one thing that i think we were kind of trying to be conscientious of, of how much of this just is weird to me that but but I, you know I, I think i i read enough and you know i i'm familiar enough with like louise hayes and esther hicks oh um, yes oh, hicks, yes you yes. know like a lot you know, i was familiar enough with a lot of stuff that i think she she pulls from that i knew what you know what i shouldn't make what, what i shouldn't draw too much attention to cool yeah. But yeah, it's it's been great to it's been great to to talk about it and hear people's questions and and you know she's an endlessly fascinating character and I was so uh, intrigued by her for so long and and just like what she's done and uh, it's it's been great to have these conversations about it. Cool. It was fascinating and excellent reporting. It is a great podcast. I tell everybody to listen to it. Well, uh, oh. not everybody. Uh, that's a lie. I didn't tell my mechanic <laughs> to listen to it. I tell a lot of. People. But we've heard from a lot of our listeners who who loved it, and yeah. we look forward to seeing what you uh, what you work on next. So. Yeah, you set the bar high. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that y'all enjoyed it, and I appreciate you sharing it with, with your listeners. So how can people follow you and keep up to date on all things Jennings? Uh, well, you can you know, follow me on Twitter, uh, T Jennings Brown, or Instagram. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm still writing for Gizmodo every day. That's kind of the, the typical thing, is in, in addition to you know, spending all this time investigating a, a spiritual guru. That is, I'm, I'm still a, a tech reporter by day. So I, yeah, you can just follow my work there. Sweet. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, right, thank you. Well, that's it for our show. Uh, thank you so much to Jennings Brown of Gizmodo. Yeah. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our editor is Victor Figueroa. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. What a great idea. Wow, there's pictures there. Mm-hmm, there's Think- pictures. There's conversations. There's videos. Like. There's links. You can give us positive reviews at iTunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ono Podcast. And if you want to support our investigations, head on over to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. That is the best way to uh, keep us going to wild, crazy places and talking to interesting people like Jennings Brown. That's right. And remember, ask yourself every morning, what would somebody who loves himself do?
Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Again, what's your deal? (laughs) I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. And I'm Judge John Hodgman. If you live on the west coast of North America, we're coming your way. That's right. Judge John Hodgman is taking justice to the west coast on tour. Starting where? Vancouver, British Columbia, January 15th, then to Seattle, Washington on the 16th, Portland, Oregon on the 17th, San Francisco, California on the 18th, and Los Angeles, California, the City of Angels on January 22nd. Tickets are on sale now. You can find links to all of the shows at MaximumFun.org. And if you're going to be in one of those cities and you have a dispute we can try on stage, send it to us. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I'm ready to judge you on the road. Take that, Jack Kerouac, author of On the Road. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.